Hello friends and welcome back to the Stories of Wonder podcast. I'm Iris and I'm Jody, and we're continuing on our with our sessions from Wonder Conference. Mm. Um, and here is Ellen's story. Ellen shared a message with us after the women shared their stories at in session 2 of the Wonder Conference. Um, such an incredible story. I almost can't believe what she has been through over the last 12 months and how God has been just working and speaking in the midst of that. Mm. Be blessed as you listen to this story. Okay, I just want you to repeat three words after me. Could you do that? Okay, ready? Happy birthday, Paris. Okay, Paris, <laughs> happy birthday, sweetheart. Your survival and your recovery is nothing short of, a, of miraculous. And we're so glad that you're with us today. And I pray that you will experience God's richest blessings on your life. And my prayer for you is that you will glorify God and enjoy him forever. We love you, Perry. <laughs> you can sit, thank you. Hinani, this is the first word I wrote in my diary on the 1st of January, 2021. Hinani is Hebrew for here I am, and it seemed a good way to start the new year. Here I am, Lord, at the start of a new year. The pages are blank, the story yet to be written. Only you know the joys, the struggles, the mountains I will face, the victories that will be won, Lead me, Lord. Guide me into all truth. Help me to be a beacon of light, pointing others to you. Strengthen me when I am weak. Correct me when I am wrong. Teach me how to live righteously. Draw me closer to you every day. Increase my desire to pray, to be found in your presence. Stretch my faith, but most of all, make me more like Jesus. That was my prayer for 2021. What was I thinking? Praying these things, draw me closer, Lord. Stretch my faith, make me more like Jesus. And how presumptuous of me not to expect to walk through any deep, dark valleys. Couple of mountains, perhaps? God can move mountains, no problem at all. You only need a little bit of faith. But no, I went ahead and asked God to stretch my faith. Hebrews 10 verses 36 to 39 were the verses that God impressed upon my heart at the beginning of that year. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay and but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And these verses were brought to mind time and time again as we navigated the ongoing global pandemic and started moving throughout the year. One very vivid time that these verses were brought to mind 
was when we were sailing with some friends through the Sundays in May 2021. Dave and I had never sailed before and our captain and his first mate knew that, but they still invited us along. Oh, the scenery is amazing if you've ever been there, those sparkling waters, those white sandy beaches, but the weather was extremely windy and not at all suitable for sailing. So we just motored around the islands until the second last day. We came out of the little cove where we had spent the night to a beautiful calm day and our captain was excited to finally get the sails up. And there we were, just sailing blissfully along when all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we hit a squall and the yacht started to, to roll from side to side and the wind and the waves and the rain was intense. So I raced downstairs with the navigation mats to keep them dry and I noticed that the portholes were underwater as the yacht lurched on its side. I was frightened. I wanted to run into my cabin and hide until it was all over. I didn't want to face the chaos that was back up on deck. But I got this prompting, don't shrink back, get back in the game, go upstairs, join the team and do your job. Well, together we frantically got the sails in. We were about an hour off course and eventually we motored down to Hamilton Island to finish our adventure. Shortly after that, I did a two-week study of First and Second Thessalonians. And again, I was encouraged to persevere, to expect hardship, persecution and trials. And I was reminded of the great hope that believers have because of Jesus, who he is, what he has done, and what he is going to do one day. Paul praised those in Thessalonica for their strong faith and their ability to stand firm in the Lord. He encouraged them to always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And he prayed that God would strengthen their hearts. Stand firm hold fast, and look forward to Christ's return. Such an encouraging study, and I was emboldened in my faith. I don't know about you, but I often leave my quiet time with a song. And during that study, somewhere in my head was a chorus. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, will sing and shout the victory. So I Googled, as every good scholar does these days, and I found a newer version of the hymn by Matt Redman called One Day. And that was the song I had in my heart and on my mind going into July 2021. And that's when my midlife crisis began. I turned 50 last year. I did get a new car. I got a new body with a considerable number of extra kilos. <laughs> I may have had a couple of special facials done. I didn't trade in my husband, but there were many, many times that I wanted to. <laughs> it was a midlife crisis of a different kind, a true call to perseverance, a real stretching of my faith. July 8, 2021, we were sitting around a campfire 
waiting for our daughter Jess and her family to arrive at our property. I'd sent a text to Giselle, our eldest granddaughter, at 10.56 a.m. to tell her we had arrived and were looking forward to seeing them all in a couple of hours. She never read that text. Little did I know then that she and her mother Jess, our eldest daughter, had already left this earth and run ahead of us to heaven. How could this be true? How could this happen to our family? Why Jess? Why Giselle? There were six people in that car. Why them? Why anyone? It would be bad enough losing one, but to lose two is just so unfair. In the seeming injustice of it all, who can I take my complaint to? Who do I blame? The truck driver? The driver of the car? The weather? The enemy? God? Who do I appeal to? The police? The justice system? God? Who will bring about justice? Who will make sense of it all? Who will write this devastating wrong? All of a sudden, out of nowhere, my life was turned upside down and I felt like I had been thrown overboard into a raging sea, tossed about by angry waves, drowning in the chaos. And many times, I just wanted to hide away from the world. I didn't want to face my new reality. And there were mornings that I woke up wishing that I hadn't. I took my complaint to God, the one who holds all power and authority, the one who could have acted and stopped this tragedy from happening, the only one who can redeem what has been lost and stolen from me. And every day since this tragedy occurred, I have taken my complaint to God. I've sat for countless hours in my chair and I have asked God, why? I've sat in my chair like millions of other mothers who have asked the same question. Why did my child have to die? And made the same complaint that it's just not right and it's not fair for a mother to bury her child. I've sat in my chair and wrestled with God. Why didn't you intervene? Why did you take them away? Why did I receive this life sentence? I've sat in my chair and I've wrestled with myself. Was there something I missed? Was there something more I could have done? I've sat in my chair and cried bucket loads of tears. And I've sat in my chair and screamed at the world, this is not fair. I've sat in my chair and wished that I was in heaven with them. I've sat in my chair and said nothing at all, numb from the pain. Jerry Sitzer in his book, A Grace Disguise, said so perfectly what I was feeling. I was empty of all energy and desire. All I could do was let God love me. I've sat for many hours in my chair alone, but not alone. I've sat with God, 
his word, and my shattered heart. And in that chair, God comes to me. He meets me in my deep despair. And whilst he does not always give me an answer, I get up out of my chair with peace in my heart and a renewed strength to face the day. I can have peace because that's who my father is. He is building my trust. He is drawing me closer. He is answering my prayer. One friend said to me, if God is not big enough to handle your complaints, then your God is too small. So I don't have a problem with telling him how I feel. He is my father. He grieves with me. And he is sad, just as I am sad, that my girls were killed in such a tragic and unnecessary way. He grieves just as I grieve with the injustices in this world. And he is angry just as I am angry with the sin that infiltrates and destroys lives and the selfish behavior of others. Injustice or unjust behavior is not a new thing. People have been unfairly treated um, since time began. The Bible is full of examples of injustice, whether it's against just one person or communities that are targeted, different culture groups, and even entire nations. If you've read the book of Micah, you will have read about the complaints God had with the people of Judah the complaints the people had, and the complaints the prophet Micah had. The people, like us, lived in a time where injustice was carried out in every area of life. God saw what was happening, and he sent Micah to Judah, a people who had lost their love for God. And you know, when people fail to love God as they ought to, sadly what follows is a lack of love for others. In this instance, the result was oppression, violence, and corruption. And so it is good for us to remember that our relationship with God directly impacts the way we treat one another and the way we deal with other people matters. The religious and civil leaders in Micah's day devalued men and women in acts of uh, temple prostitution they were greedy and they plotted and planned all kinds of ways to defraud the people. They plundered the poor, forcing them to remain in a life of poverty. They crushed the weak instead of defending them. They led men, women, and children to their destruction. The judges took bribes. The priests taught for a price. And the prophets practiced divination for money. And I wonder, and perhaps you've been wondering all afternoon, as you think about all the unjust ways that people were treated then, has much changed in our world? Chapter six of Micah brings us into a courtroom-like scene where Micah summons the mountains and the hills to witness God's charges against his people. And when God brings his opening statement, he reminds the people of his goodness by tracing his own acts of faithfulness throughout Israel's history. In light of God's proven faithfulness, Micah asked, the people, uh, asked how the people should respond 
highlighting their hypocrisy. They were very quick to acknowledge their outwardly religious practices, but slow to acknowledge their inward sin. And Micah revealed that God does not care about the worship of those who do not care about justice. They were guilty as charged. So what did God want from them? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with their God. Now this is not another gospel or a works-based salvation. It's about the heart. God's spirit living in us, transforming us, and from a heart redeemed by God flows the love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness that we ourselves have received from him. He wants us to live according to his commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. God wanted his people, and he still wants his people to act justly, to do what is right and fair, no cheating, no deception, and if possible, to help deliver those who are weak or oppressed, to love mercy, to be kind and compassionate. And this also implies a spirit of generosity, being committed to not giving people what they deserve, but being committed to meeting the legitimate needs of others. From the heart will flow rivers of living water. It speaks of abundance. And to walk humbly with God. We are not to live pridefully, but in humility and full of God's grace. And you notice the two previous statements related to our relationship with others, whereas this statement is about our relationship with God. We can't say we love others if we treat others. We can't say we love God if we treat others badly. We live in a world that continues to witness wickedness perpetrated against people. And God, who is merciful and gracious, calls you and I to reflect his character in the way that we love and care for others. You know, sometimes you and I look at what's happening around us, or even to us, and perhaps in a gathering of this size, injustice might look like an unfaithful husband, an unfair dismissal, an untrue accusation, an ungrateful child, an unexpected diagnosis or death. We might look around and think that evil is winning and that injustice and oppression seem to go unpunished and people often begin to doubt God's goodness. But God sees and knows everything. He hates the exploitation of the weak and that has never changed. And though his judgment might seem slow in coming, it is certain. And that is why repentance and faith in Jesus is of utmost importance and in, in urgency in light of the days in which we are living. Sometimes the injustice in this world so overwhelms us that we feel our little contribution will not matter. And yet, God calls you and I, his people, to practice the virtues and values that put his heart on display. Kindness, generosity, 
courage and love. J.R. Miller said, love is not only doing others no harm, it is doing them all the good that is in our power to do. And Paul says in Philippians, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. God wants to display his power and his love through our selfless acts of doing what is right and offering mercy. And when we live this way, the dark nature of godlessness and injustice provides a stark backdrop against which the glory of God can be on full display, like diamonds on black velvet. As we grow in love for the God who first loved us, his compassion will lead us to extend grace and hope to others. Micah's hope was in the Lord, not in his country or in his culture. He spoke of the day when Jesus will come again to judge in perfect justice, when all the wrongs committed against you and I will be made right, when the answers we so desperately want will be given, where righteousness will rule. There will be a new kingdom with no partiality. There will be fairness and equity. The strong won't victimize the weak and perfect justice will happen. The sovereign Lord who exercises his unlimited power with purity and perfection will eventually bring judgment on all those who abuse power and people. One day, but not yet. We as a family are still waiting for justice to be served. There has been no judge, no jury, no witnesses called to give evidence, no opening statements or closing arguments. No one has been held to account for the preventable and senseless loss of life and the death of two beautiful young women. Did they deserve to die? Did the surviving children deserve to lose their mum and their sister in such a tragic and traumatic way? No one has apologised or taken responsibility, and perhaps they never will. And we have to learn to live with that and leave it in God's hands, lest we become bitter. We wait for that one day when God will put it right and wipe away every tear. One day, but not yet. How I'm longing for that day. Are you with me? Yes, it's gonna be a glorious day. <laughs> In the meantime, God calls us to persevere, to stand firm, to stay in the game, to occupy until he comes, to uphold righteousness, to demonstrate his love, to be salt and light, a beacon to show the world a better way marked by justice, mercy and humility. And how do we do that? We surrender to God. A right relationship with him is first and foremost. We read his word, spend time meditating on his word, letting it wash over us and applying it. 
We spend time in prayer talking to and listening to God. And we ask for his peace to reign in our hearts so that we can get up out of our chair and walk this out in our lives, this call to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. We believe that every human being is an image bearer of God and not just an accident of history or a clump of cells. We can start by just being a friend, expecting nothing in return. Your time is a gift. Who in close proximity to you needs a kind heart and a listening ear? Use your voice, whether spoken or written. Stand for biblical truth. Stand for what God says is right. You know, the world is trying to silence the voice of the Christian. Don't let it. We know God's way is the only right way to live, the only answer to all issues pertaining to life. We get up out of our chair and we go out into the world, armed and dangerous, sharing the love of Christ. Can I invite you to think for a moment? Imagine you're in a courtroom, or that we are in a courtroom, and you are on the witness stand. And the evidence on display is the last 30 days of your life. What would be revealed about the way you care for others? What, what would the evidence show? What complaints might be made? What conclusions would be drawn? As women of faith, let's persevere and press on in love for God and love for our neighbor so that our world today might better resemble God's coming kingdom. And even if we fall, or when we are on the receiving end of mistreatment, oppression, or injustice, we can rise up in hope as we walk with God, who leads us from darkness into light and proclaim as Micah did, who is a God like you? Amen, we praise you, Lord. Even in the valley, we worship you, for there is no one like our God. Amen.